Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 337 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm great, Chad. Here we're on our early edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. Yeah, recording a little bit earlier in the day than we usually do, so that we can get make sure to get it out in time for the regular Friday appointment that all of you have with the podcast. Appreciate you listening. Now, the biggest question I want to address right off the top here, Bill, is is this one. The Reds are, as we record this, 8 and 10, two games under 500. They're in third place in the National League Central. And the biggest question that I have, and I'm interested to hear your your thoughts on this, have we overrated this team because they continue to just tread water and they don't look good in certain areas that we'll get into. But is is it possible that coming into the season, our expectations were just far too high? It's sure looking that way right now. Um, now, guys that you know, guys that we had counted on to be stellar performers are not getting the job done. Um, and guys, and these are guys with track records. Um, but they just do things that make no sense to me. And it, it extends from the manager on down. I mean, last night with a tie and run on third base, you had two batters in a row, take a called third strike on a breaking ball right down the middle of the plate. You know, where's protecting the plate, right? They I mean, just, Oh <laughs> yeah. You, know, you get to the point where you just feel like you're banging your head on the table. Yeah, and there are, there are lots of culprits that we're going to get into, including the manager a little bit later, because I've got some things I want to get off my chest about uh, young Mr. David Bell. But <sighs> there's no question that this team has been a disappointment. Whether we overrated them, I, I don't think we can say that conclusively just yet, because, again, we're just talking 18 games, and that's in the context of a real season. That is, uh, you know, just a drop in the bucket. This isn't a real season, of course, and you and I were very clear before this uh, season started that we thought, oh, the Reds really have to get off to a good start or they're going to put themselves behind the eight ball. And that is precisely what has happened uh, at this point. The Reds are not playing well, and if this were an ordinary season, being five and a half games out already, it's, you know, that's going to be a lot of, that's tough ground to cover in, you know, what we got left, uh, 42 games. Yeah, but, well, and, and and we had, I think we both had the Reds in the in the low thirties, low to mid thirties for win pr- predictions. Yeah, and that means they've got to win like 
26 of their last 42. Right. Yeah. So now again, we said when we had that discussion before the season, it was in the context of a normal playoff scenario. So the Reds still are on the playoff hunt because, you know, every other team gets in the playoff. Well, more than half the teams get in the playoffs this year. 16 teams get in the playoffs. And so, you know, the Reds still have a chance to do some special things here this year. But before they change that playoff uh, playoff series, uh, the the way they're doing the playoffs, boy, I'll tell you what, it's too early to be recording. I'm used to the late night podcast, Bill. Um <laughs> You know, this this Reds team would not have been done, but they would have been just about finished if it were a normal uh, season with just 42 games to go. And uh, it's, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't think we overrated them, but they sure look a lot like the same old Reds, don't they? Well, yeah, and, and you know, and, and you don't want to, I mean, they've had some, they've had, a, you know, some injury. Uh, they've lost one guy that I think they were counting on being an everyday guy. I Mustakas mean, hasn't played a whole lot. Um. Suarez has been terrible. Um, well, and we'll, we'll get into the bullpen later, I assume. But, but you know, it's just, I mean, you, you don't want to point. I'm not trying to point finger. And everybody's doing the best they can. But, you know, it's just not been pleasant. You know, the Senzel hasn't been good. The, the it's, it's just not easy to watch. It has not been easy to watch. And let's talk about the primary culprits. Uh, and and we'll start with sort of bigger picture culprits, and then go to some of the individuals that uh, that we've okay. mentioned. Uh, the first culprit, as everyone wants to um, talk about, and it's true, is the bullpen. And the Reds bullpen continues to be, frankly, horrific. Now I will say that uh, Amir Garrett looks pretty good. I will say that Lucas he Sims a big home run the other night, though he did. Well, you know that's, that's going to happen. I mean, he's not can't be perfect. Right, but he's been he, he's been consistently good. Yep. Lucas Sims has been consistently good. Been very very good. Yeah. Rosella Iglesias, after t- two rough starts to begin the season, has been lights out since then. Yep. And everyone else is well. I guess maybe Nate Jones has had his struggles as well. But uh, you look I, at his numbers though; they aren't unlike Garrett's. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um. So, but no one else has been consistent at all. The, the and, bullpen has been pretty terrible overall. And, and you lay a lot of that on to, frankly, a guy that they counted on to be their guy. He's been in seven games already, and it's Michael Lorenzen who has been. His biceps are bigger than mine. I'm not sure that I would have had much worse results. 16.88 ERA. I mean, it's really, it's tough to watch. He, he just, he has no confidence, obviously, out there. And he just, he's given up 10 runs in five and a third innings. You know, he's walked five guys. He just, he can't get it together. What are you seeing with Michael Lorenzen? Well, it, well, he's faced the 30 guys and 14 of them have gone on base. <laughs> That's not a good ratio, Bill. No, it's really not. You know, and, 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 God knows that these guys know a lot more about pitching and, and mechanic. And he picked, you know, they were bragging and talking in, you know, in spring training and in training camp and training camp 2.0, as they call it, about how, you know, how he picked up some miles per hour on his fastball. But I'll tell you what, it don't, it doesn't seem to me like just watching on television, like it moves. It just looks like it comes in straight as an arrow. And there's two things you either need to do. You either, your fastball either has to move or you have to be able to hit spots. And he hasn't been able to do either. 
Yeah, and I don't know enough, again, I'm like you to know whether that's the case, but let me tell you, I don't care how fast you throw. If you throw a straight fastball, big league hitters are going to crush it. These are the best hitters on earth. So. And when we were doing the, the, the Big Red Machine series, there was a guy from the Padres that we talked about at one point called Randy Jones. Won a Cy Young Award. Joe Morgan said he didn't throw the ball hard enough to break glass. Yeah. So, you know, Greg Maddox didn't didn't throw 100 miles an hour. I was talking to my son uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, for whatever reason, we were talking about uh, Greg Maddox came up and uh, in, in the discussion. And I pulled up a picture of Greg Maddox with his glasses on. And, you know, he looked like a chemistry teacher or something. And I said, this guy is probably the best pitcher I've seen in my lifetime, <laughs> you know. Because he could put it wherever he wanted to put it. He didn't throw hard. And, uh, all right, we've gotten off on the, we'll circle that one back around to Tyler Malley in a moment, maybe, because he's the closest that this team has to a Greg Maddox. And that's a ridiculous comparison. I'm not trying to say that. It's kind of a long way away. Yeah. But, uh, but back to the bullpen. Yeah. Lorenzen has just, I don't know what to say, but, you know, it's not just him. You know, Cody Reed's a guy that I've been touting for years and years and years. He just, he he doesn't get it done. He just doesn't get it done in the, he has a 10.80 ERA. Uh, in six appearances. Um, Brooks Raley, the Reds brought him back from Korea, and good for him, I guess. Well, um, terrible, terrible uh, start for the Reds, nine ERA, and they traded him to Houston for a player to be named later. So we wish him the best of luck, but just uh, no good. Jose De Leon came up with the best facial hair on earth and got pounded around to the tune of uh, eight earned runs in an inning and two-third and got sent back down to... Uh, the ketchup factory at Prasco. Really? Well, Strope has been, you know, Strope was, was kind of all over the place, walked six guys and, and two and a third. Um, you know, it's, then they, Stevenson went on the DL after one appearance, you know, where he only threw a third of an inning and he kind of got knocked around. It's, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to win ball games when you got to, you know, when you just got to outscore the other team or, and, and if you were one of the red starting pitchers who, with one exception, have been outstanding. I know. You it's couldn't ask for better. Pressing. Yeah. There, there's actually one reliever who has been absolutely perfect every opportunity he's gotten. And that, of course, is Matt Davidson, the 29-year-old infielder who pitched one inning, did give up one hit, struck out a guy, no earned runs. Let's let Matt Davidson be the closer. There you go. I bet I bet he doesn't bring it up there 100. <laughs> I, bet, I bet not. <laughs> So the bullpen obviously has been one of the culprits for this uh, meh start. The other that uh, you and I have talked about this a little bit, uh, you know, texting back and forth during games, this defense is just horrifically bad. It's as bad a defense as I remember seeing uh, in Cincinnati. Have, have you, you gotten that sense as well, I think, right? Yeah, it's not good. And and uh, Freddie Galvis has been terrible at shortstop. I would, you and I were joking the other night because I – I know your appreciation for Kyle Farmer as a shortstop, but <laughs> to be honest, I'm not convinced he's any worse than Galvis defensively. You know, um, yeah, Galvis got a great reputation. Um, and again, we're talking about he's only played 15 games, so you know, and yeah, and, and what I mean, we saw him last year, but he's not impressed me defensively. And last year, and last year he looked like a average major league shortstop. Well, he played mostly second base, to, if you recall, last year, too. Oh, so. that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So, and he, but, he, but he looked like an average defensive player. Right. Um, you know, you didn't. he didn't make you think of, of um, you know, Brett or Willie Re- or Pee Wee or Reed. Uh, <laughs> Dude, it's too early for both of us. I know. 
but any of the really good short, you know, second baseman that we've had in the years here, like your guy Brandon Phillips. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon. He didn't make you think of Brandon Phillips. He didn't make you think of Joe Morgan. He didn't make you think of the uh, who was the who was the other kid to switch between shortstop and second base in his career. Uh, <laughs> you got Pokey me. Reese. Pokey, Pokey Reese. That's who I'm trying to think. He doesn't make you think of Pokey Reese. Um, it's just. And, you know, the outfield defense has been bad. Um, the Dick Castellanos dropped that ball for, you know, three runs and on a ball that Nick Senzel should have called and called him off. Um, and when we're talking bad defense, I do want to say one thing. Tucker Barnhart has been playing outstanding catcher. Yeah, he's a very good backup catcher. I saw, he, I saw, I'm just talking about defensively. He is a very, very good catcher. Okay, but can, can we talk about him just for a moment to digress? And he's he's a friend of the podcast. We love Tucker. But uh, I saw that uh, on on the Twitters last night. Our guy Woo the Reds said that you know at some point the Reds are going to have to concede that Tucker Barnhart is just a really good backup catcher, and that's something you and I've kind of talked about for years. That that's going to be his ultimate destination in baseball. That he could have a, a long career as a backup catcher. And the Reds have two of them. And the Reds have two backup catchers. It, to me, they need to call up Tyler Stevenson today and let Tyler Stevenson be the, the primary starter going forward. That's my opinion. What, what did I text you the day after Tyler Stevenson had his big game? I don't remember. You text me so much crazy nonsense, I can't remember. I said, is this the beginning of the Tyler Stevenson era? And you texted me back and said, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tyler Stevenson came out and did great. But, of course, it was a, you know, just a brief appearance. But... Poor old Tucker. I mean, I'll keep him around for the next 10 years as a backup catcher because he is. You're right. He's good defensively. Um, good guy to have around. He's hitting 143 right now. I mean, he's just uh, – he has the ever-elusive negative OPS plus so far. That's difficult to do. It is. Um, and we've got three of them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the immortal Christian Cologne and, and Travis Jankowski. Who who explained to me why he's here instead of Aquino? Uh, so that a topic we're going to get into later. So that David Bell can pinch run. Okay. <laughs> David Bell loves the pinch run. That's the only reason I can see why. So you know, um, and I'm not saying Aquino is a world beater, but as a you know backup outfielder, yeah, a bat off the bench when you need a, a bat off the bench. Better than Jankowski. Eh, whatever. Jankowski has cooler hair. So uh, those are those are two of the culprits. A third one that you started to talk about earlier. Uh, the bullpen and the defense have been have been brutal. Yep. But uh, on an individual level, a lot of these Reds are just not getting it done in their everyday lineup. You can't pin everything on the bullpen and everything on the defense because a lot of guys are just simply not hitting. You know, there are uh, two or three guys that are that have really hit. One of those has been hurt most of the year, Mike Mustakas, when he's been. In the lineup, he's hit uh, Nick Castellanos and our guy Jesse Winker, who we'll get to in a moment as well. But, but the question that you posed to me off air, and that someone posed to me on Twitter last night, and I kind of said, you know, I still trust this guy, but at some point, do we have to talk about dropping Eugenio Suarez out of that number four hole? Through uh, through eighteen games, he's hitting one fifteen with a two seventy on base percentage, two forty six slugging is what bothers me. Only two home runs. He's not hitting the ball hard. He's just he does does not look like Eugenio Suarez. Now my response to that question was again he's Eugenio Suarez. I we've, I've seen enough of him to know that he's going to pop out of it. 
But is there a reason to believe that maybe in this short season the Reds might need to drop him and not have him up in such a crucial situations? What do you think about Eugenio Suarez? Uh, as you said, uh, I have no problem with moving a guy that's struggling down in the lineup for a period of time. Then he starts hitting the ball hard. You put him back up. Of course, the next question is, if you take him out of the four hole, who do you put in the four hole? Uh, Moustakas when he gets back. Yeah, and that's supposed to be this weekend, I believe. Well, yeah, I've got, yeah. It, it, well, as soon as he, it's the Reds medical staff, so day to day could be, you know. Well, he's evidently, he, I was, we're going to get that in the transactions in a moment, but evidently he's healthy. He's just waiting for his 10 days on the injury list to expire. He'll be back. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Nobody else is particularly hitting the ball very well. Castellanos. Well, Winker's hitting the ball better than anybody and harder than anybody, but, you know, we know that he, he can't hit left-handers. Uh, he can't, although he has had a couple of hits this year against left-handers because the way David Bell manages, Winker's often up against left-handed pitchers, and he's come through or, a few times. Or he gets pulled, or, or he gets you know, pulled for a pinch hitter or something. And then later on when they bring a right-hander up, you're going, boy, I wish Winker was still in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Winker, you know, was struggled at the beginning. And I swear, you know, the reason I stay away from the Twitters is because people hate Jesse Winker. And they're like, oh, why don't we get rid of this guy? He's never going to be a hitter, despite the fact that he's always hit everywhere he's been. And all of a sudden, he turned into the best hitter in baseball in the last week. I mean, he's really just every single swing, he is hitting the ball hard somewhere. And this is the Jesse Winker we've been waiting for. People wanted to give up on him. He's just 26. Let him hit every single time there's a right-handed pitcher on the mound, and he's going to hit, you know, 330. That's that's my opinion of Jesse Winker. Been fun to watch this week, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. I, and, again, friend of the podcast, I, I like the kid. Um, you know, look at the last, you know, his last 12 games, 448, 556, 828, you know, almost a 14 or 1.4 OPS plus or OPS. That ain't bad. That'll get it done. That'll get yeah. it done. He even stole a base. <laughs> that's very impressive. The other guy that's really been consistently pretty good, uh, struggled some uh, last night uh, as the Reds split a series with Kansas City, but Nick Castellanos, no complaints about what he's doing uh, with the bat. He's uh, see third in the majors in home runs and just one off the National League lead. Tied with Mike Trout, actually, in, in home runs. And so he's been great, but no one else has been particularly good. Votto started off okay, and he's been just kind of okay, you know. He's probably what we can expect of 36-year-old Joey Votto. To, to, to inject two things real quick here. Sure. I, I, I'm still looking at Winker. He's four He's four for 10 against left-handers so far this year. Yeah. So, I mean, small sample size. But, of course, you know, he only got 35 bats against right-handed pitching. So, you know. Right. And the other thing is about, about Castellanos. Anytime somebody says you're tied with Mike Trout, that's good. <laughs> I don't care what, what <laughs> the number of children – that you're the yeah. father of. <laughs> How many cars you have in a parking lot? It, you know, it's just good if you're tied with Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout is is the best at everything. Um, you said Sinzel struggled. He has since went through a stretch there where he was killing the ball every time he swung in. It hit right at somebody. So I'm yeah. hopeful that he's going to pop out of it. Shogo Akiyama, his numbers don't look good, but I swear I love watching that guy bat. I mean, he's got a clue at the plate. Yes, he does. I I couldn't agree. He. he and I know we all hate this, but this is—he's what they used to call, or, or what, or Joe used to call, or Marty used—he's a professional hitter. Yeah, he is. He is. He really is. You, you are, it isn't going to be very often you make him look bad at the plate. 
you may get him out, but it's not very often you're going to make him look bad. Yeah, it was pointed out on our Slack channel, our Red Lake Nation Radio Slack channel, uh, last night. His first two at-bats, he, he uh, saw uh, 17 pitches, I think. And, I mean, you know, he just... I don't know. I, th- I think he's going to be fine. I'm not worried at all about him. Uh, you know, I'll take his 346 on base percentage. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. And, you know, uh, that's <laughs> Christian Cologne somehow has had 24 plate appearances. I don't know. Why is Christian Cologne? That's my question. Why is Christian Cologne? Why is he here? Why is he wearing a baseball uniform? I don't, I don't understand why he, why the Reds still have him. Well, I, I, I think I can tell you why he's getting at bats. Because Josh Van Meter's one for 17. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although and look, and has looked bad doing it. It's true. It's true, but, you know. Um, 17 at, he's got 17 at-bats, 21 plate appearances. He's struck out eight times. Okay. Uh, well, Cologne's, yeah. Cologne's three for 24, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I'm not, you know. I'm, so, yeah, and I think you're right. I think that's why. Any other or anything like that? It's you know, I'm not. I'm not saying we probably got guys on that are listening that could could put up the kind of numbers both these guys are putting up right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I just think there's a better chance that Van Meter is going to give you a little more, especially athletically uh, and versatility wise, than than Cologne. But when you, when Van Meter's not hitting and you send him down, like Cologne's really your your backup info. He and Kyle Farmer, you kind of need have both those guys, I guess. So that makes sense, I guess, why he's here. But I don't know. I just not impressed. Um, yeah, why? Why? Cologne's got his minus seven OPS plus, oh and Van Meter's got a twenty nine. So, well, that's because he hit a home run last night, his first hit of the year. I like Jankowski's is minus thirty three. I don't know if I've ever seen one that far down. Yeah, some of these numbers are going to look crazy. We're not really basing a whole lot on the numbers just right. yet. Oh yeah, but, it's just, they're just eye catching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I don't know. Is it a yes or is it a no, though, from you? Have we overrated this team? No. I think they're going to end up being – I still have faith that they're going to end up being close to what we predicted. And mainly because I think the the starting rotation is going to keep them in ballgames. And at some point, you know, Bell's going to figure out that you know, maybe Lucas Sims is a better option than Michael Lorenzen, at least right now. Um, I got questions about whether David Bell is going to figure anything out, but the, the, again, that's... I am starting to, you know, and, and we were both, you know, I, at least I, you know, I, I was a big supporter of David Bell's last year. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay. I want to have an extended we're, discussion we're about that. Yet, huh? Yeah. I want to have an extended discussion about that. And okay, uh, but, but before we move on too much, Who's your? What's your biggest surprise? Either a trend of the team, or a player, or or anything thus far. Biggest surprise. I would say that my biggest surprise is. I think how consistently great uh, Castellanos has been, and uh, I, you know I expected him to do well. But he's looked like a completely different hitter. You know, my, my piece this week for Cincinnati Magazine that's probably been published by now. Haven't uh, they? Haven't they? Probably emailed me since we've been talking, but it's probably on the site over there. But it's about Castellanos and about you know some people thought that he was going to that Great American Ballpark would really help him. But if you go and again, we're talking small sample sizes here. 
But if you go look at his stat cast numbers, his exit velocity is career high, his, uh, his number of barrels, his number, the number of balls he's barreled, which is basically that he's hit hard, that he's squared up over the last two years, is up there with anyone in baseball. So it's not just this year. I mean, he's always hit the ball hard. Um, you know, Last year, he was only the 10th player in the history of baseball, first right-handed hitter since 1936 to have uh, 58 doubles in a season, led the league. And um, his, his launch angle's up. I just The development of him into a real power bat uh, has been the biggest surprise for me. I thought we were going to get the same Nick Castellanos we had, and we may still end up with the same Nick Castellanos. But he looks like, like a little bit of a different hitter, hitting profile than we've seen in past years, according to some of the stat cast data. So that's mine. What's your biggest surprise? Probably how good the, the starting rotation has been. Um, we expected I, it to be we, good. We all expected it to be good, but it's been better than I think most of us have expected, uh, especially Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray. Yeah, my, my one and one A for biggest surprise would be Cash Jones and then how absolutely dominant Trevor Bauer's been. And, and, and I'll tell you what, Anthony DiScofani's been very, very good also. He has been, although you know the injuries limited him to just two starts, but um, but eleven in, eleven shutout innings. You know, giving up one, and he's only walked one guy. Yeah, that'll get it done. But Discofani, when he's been healthy, he's always been a pretty good pitcher. Yeah, matter of staying healthy, and we're gonna have a lot of discussion, I'm sure, in the coming weeks and over the, the off season about whether the Reds should tr- attempt to re-sign Anthony Discofani, who's set to be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, but, yeah, the Reds have five really good starters, plus Wade Miley. Is, is there any justification whatsoever for continuing to trot Miley out when you have five guys that are pitching well in the in the rotation? What they're paying him. Season's too short to worry about that nonsense. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. No, I know you're not. Yeah. You and I both know that that's, a, you know, that's part of the decision-making process. I don't think there's any – and again, Wade Miley has thrown three and a third innings, okay? So I'm not giving up on Wade Miley just yet. But I don't see any reason. He's been awful in both of his starts. Uh, he's been hurt, obviously. But Tyler Malley has been the Tyler Malley that I've been waiting for forever. He's pitched very well. His, his, his numbers do not reflect how well he's pitched. He got burned by the bullpen his last time out. Oh, well, join the crowd, Tyler. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you don't want you don't want to leave the game with runners on base right now if you're in a starting rotation. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> you tell Bell, no, I'm not leaving, man. I may give up these runs, but at least I'll be giving them up. <laughs> That's right. Just let me give them up. Let me. Yeah, I mean Gray, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Trevor Bally, Trevor Bally, Trevor Bauer, Tyler Malley, and Anthony Scafani have all been uh, just about uniformly outstanding. Uh, I. I Again, we keep talking about short season, and I don't think David Bell understands these things because he's not doing any of the things that we expected him to do in terms of really prioritizing your better players. But uh, I, I just don't see why you run the 33-year-old Wade Miley out there other than just that one reason. You're paying him, and I hope that's not the number one reason because this team has got to win some games. But you're probably right. Yeah, well, and, and we were, you know, we talked – before the season and everything about how important a, a, a big early start was before the schedule got more difficult. And they're getting to the end of that early period. I mean, they, they needed to make – now, Detroit's playing better than we thought they would. I mean, they're, they're playing pretty good baseball. Um, so maybe you can argue that they struggled there. 
but you know they needed to take these two from the Royals. They need to beat up on the Pirates this weekend. Um, they need to get above five hundred and then see what happens. Well, yeah, good luck. They've been within a game a few times here. Yep. You were going to ask uh, biggest disappointment as well, I think, right? Yep. What's yours? It's got to be Lorenz. Yeah, that's mine too. It's got to be Michael Lorenz. But but you know. The, 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 the runner-up or the miscongeniality in that award right now at this point would be Suarez. That's that's true. That's true, no question. No question at all. I, I, I don't know what's going on with Suarez. He just doesn't look like himself. He, yeah, he really doesn't look like he has confidence at the plate or a plan or whatever. And it's easy to sit, you know, for us to sit here and say that. And and we know, you and I both know, and, and none of these guys are up there trying to look bad. And But, you know, you either do or you don't. Yeah, you know, I miss I miss happy go lucky Eugenio. <laughs> I'm not seeing a lot of that this year. He, he's always been the guy that you just love watching that guy play because he's always smiling, having fun, and uh, he really I don't like watching him struggle. He's too good a guy. Yep. Let's run through some of the transactions this week, and then uh, and then we'll circle back around to our favorite manager. Uh, as we'd like to do, we'll go run through all the transactions. Before I get into that, I want to go give a quick thank you to our uh, newest patron at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. You know, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. Uh, support the podcast, help keep this uh, this crazy uh, machine going, and uh, be a part of the family. Had one new uh, one new patron this week, Charles Zollers. Is it Zollers? Zollers? Charlie, I'm sorry, I didn't. I should have asked you how to pronounce it. Z o l l a r s. Charles Zollers. Zollers. What do you think? Backup catcher. Backup catcher. I can see that. I can see him on like a 1960s baseball card. <laughs> you know, he's got the chest protector on and got the got the hat turned around backwards. Plays for the Washington Senators. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He plays for Red League Nation Radio's beer league softball team. Oh, <laughs> uh, Charles, I, you know I manage that team and keep track of the and stock the cooler. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've got Charles as a catcher. I don't know that he's the backup. I think he's. Uh, I think he's he's a catcher though for some reason. I'm gonna say he's a left-handed catcher. Ooh, I like it. A left-handed catcher, you know. So kind uh, of, I can kind of want to see. There's, I don't think it's a Corky Miller type mustache, but he has some kind of facial hair that uh, makes him stand out as well. Maybe some big uh, pork chop sideburns. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> the George Foster sideburns. The Fosters, yeah. yeah. Charles, my friend. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for uh, contributing to the discussion as well over Slack. I've enjoyed uh, getting to know you a little bit. And welcome to the family, brother. Welcome to the family. Thank you so much. Now, transactions since last week. Uh, a couple of these don't really merit too much of a mention, but I do want to talk. The Reds added, added a few players to our 60-man player pool that's out there at the uh, at the Ketchup Factory, Prasco Park. Brandon Finnegan, you remember him? Left-handed pitcher. Hmm. Yeah. Brandon Finnegan, TJ Friedel, and Reese Hines. Finnegan, the left, lefty, Friedel, the uh, outfielder out of Wake Forest, and uh, Reese Hines, the power-hitting young infielder. Think you'll see any of them? No, I don't think so. I mean, Hines was a guy that was drafted last yeah, last year in the second round. And crazy raw power. I can see them wanting to get him up here just to work with the, you know, work with, instead of him just sitting around or working on his own. Friedel, I could see us seeing him if we have some injuries, but I don't see how he, I mean, he can play center field, so I mean, he can play all three outfield spots. Finnegan, I think, is the one that there's the biggest chance that we see him, although he was just awful 
the last couple of years. But apparently they've like rebuilt his delivery and everything from what I've heard them talking about, like on television and whether that means anything or not, who the hell knows, but well, we don't know. And, uh, but if, you know, there was a time when Brandon Finnegan could pitch, you know, um, really, yeah, really the time when he was in this, in our rotation. Yeah. <laughs> That's hard to believe those days, but I don't know. I think we, if he's a left-handed pitcher, if they still think he can, uh, can do something if they really have reworked him, I expect that we could see him, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the ranch on any of those guys. Now, it, it, you know, if he, if they think he can still pitch and read, you know, Cody Reed continues to struggle. Yeah. I mean, if you need a lefty out of the pen. Of course, if they, you know, if they go to a, a Molly over Miley, you may see, you know, Miley may be a lefty out of the pen. Do you see that, uh, you know, Miley started yesterday, but Tyler Malley was uh, warming up before the game and there's some com- miscommunication. Some, uh, some joker on, on the Twitters said that, uh, I, I was responsible for uh, announcing the lineups, and so they were confused whether I said Miley or Molly. I didn't think well, that was funny. Kind of talk, you do kind of talk funny. I don't think that's very funny, Bill. The Reds. <laughs> it's, that, it's that Southern drawl. <laughs> yes. The Reds also uh, recalled Joel Kunal to the big leagues and optioned Jose De Leon this week, and then Kunal was summarily sent back to Prasco Park later in the week when. Uh, Wade Miley was activated from the injured list. Speaking of injured list, the Reds had some injury issues this week. We already talked about Pedro Strope, who had a, suffered a groin injury this week. We hope it was his groin. Um, he is on the injured list now, and they really don't know when he's coming back. Nick Senzel also suffered a, a bit of a groin injury, but he was out a day or two, and he's he was back. Now, Mike Moustakas... Then, and then two days later, you saw him picking up Joey Votto, so I guess he's okay. <laughs> yes, yes. That was a, that was an exciting game. So uh, Mustakas, you know, I, I don't know what to say about Mike Mustakas. He's just uh, he says that he's better, and, but he's waiting. I think he had it was retroactive to last Thursday, so we're seven days out. So it'll be the end of this weekend or Monday of next week that he will be available again. So we'll see. The Reds need him. He's only played in seven games, and this offense really. He might have been him. better off saying he had COVID symptoms. <laughs> he could have come off the. Uh, then you could have come right back. That's right. <laughs> you know they're not. I wonder how that works because they're they're not allowed to announce that uh, you've tested positive or anything. Maybe they could just say, "Well, he's on the injured list," and when you say he's not the the ten day list, then people are going to assume that it's COVID. But maybe you know it's just uh, he's only going to be out seven days, well, and we don't want the other thing I wondered about guys that are out of options. Can they send them down? Do they have to have options? To be sent, or can, or is it? Can you just rotate anybody on this sixty-man list at any time? I don't know the answer to that. I I have to imagine that it uses up an option. Would the players have bargained that away? I I wouldn't think so, but I have heard no mention of options or anything like that. And, and but you know, I, that's what you, Lorenzen was the one that you know I wondered. Yeah, well, that's your research project for the week, Bill. I don't even know how I would find that out. Oh, uh, the interwebs probably. I will say because everything you read on the internet's true. Everything. <laughs> you mentioned uh, lifting up Joey Botto, and I want to talk about that because that was the one moment that uh, was kind of fun. Uh, well, it started out the same way it always starts out. Luis Castillo uh, had a really strong start, but of course, Reds defense made three errors, and uh, 
So, you know, he gave up 200 runs, Castillo. But he, he looked good. And then the bullpen blew a 5-3 lead. Okay, we've seen that before, right? But then Lucas Sims comes in, locks things down. And then Joey Votto with a walk-off double in the uh, in the bottom half of the... Uh, of the softball game, extra innings. That's right. It was. They had the runner starting at second. Yep. Crazy. I hate that rule. But it is what it is. It's interesting to see how that went. But that was a fun game. If, if, if you... I thought that the three batter rule makes the Reds bullpen even worse than it already is. Uh, probably so. Yeah. And I think it changes the way that David Bell, he won't use Castillo or, uh, excuse me, Mayor Garrett in certain situations Yep. when you probably could, you pitchers now have to get out lefties and righties. You're just going to have to now. You can't really be a specialist. So I don't know what he's, but add that to the list of strange things that, David Bell does. I think it actually makes David Bell more uh, palatable because he has to leave a reliever in for at least three hitters because he's so overactive that he would probably try to change pitchers every batter if he had if he could. So let's talk. Let's, we've been with this, with this bullpen. I'm not sure it's a bad idea. Yeah, really. We have been sort of dancing around it, and I think now's as good a time as any to really let's let's ask the question, David Bell. Now, you said earlier that you and I have both uh, been, you know, slow to criticize. What are your thoughts about David Bell here as we stand in uh, mid-August? It's, it's not He's not managing this team in this season the way I expected him to. I expected this team to basically have a set lineup every day. Uh, with, with some switching around in the outfield, uh, now, you know, they've had some injury problems, and that's part of it. Um, but the hyperactivity of his lineup and, and, and game time, you know, during the game decisions is just you're putting guys in there. You're, you're not giving your best players the important at-bats. And those at-bats can be in the beginning of the game or the end of the game. But if you pull a guy in the middle of the game, you aren't going to have him at the end of the game. And I've seen way too much of that. All the time. All the time, you know. Yeah, you don't know that a situation is going to come up later. But if you have your best bats in the lineup, you're in the best shape to uh, to score the runs you need. And I have been it's sometimes complimentary of David Bell because I think he's more open to some of the analytical concepts that no future, or excuse me, no past Reds manager has ever been open to. And, uh, but I, you know, last night was kind of the night when I just had to concede. I think I was, I think I was wrong about David Bell. I, I, I think he's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of like with Dusty Baker. I don't know what Dusty Baker did in the, in the clubhouse that made him such a great uh, manager. And I think he was probably at managing the, the egos and the personalities in the, in the clubhouse. David Bell may be great at that stuff as our buddy Chris Garber noted last night. But in terms of what he does in the game, David Bell is not good. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm, I'm not calling for him to be fired or any of that stuff, but I got to say, he's just, he is not good. I think his overriding concern as a Reds manager is how can I make sure that nobody forgets that I'm here? I got to do something. <laughs> I don't want anybody to forget that I'm here. What can I do now to remind them that I'm the manager? And it is so frustrating. We've already seen in 18 games 
a number of times where he has put the Reds in a worse position because he's so overactive. Pinch running all what's the what's the point last night there in the ninth inning when Josh Van Meter draws a walk and bringing in Michael Lorenzen from the bullpen to pinch run for Josh Van Meter? I mean what's the what's the point of that? I, I, I mean, even even if you argue that he he's faster. And I'm sure he is. Not he's that Van Meter's slow. He's not appreciably faster. He's not you know, it's not Usain Bolt versus me. All right. And then you lose uh, Van Meter, and so you're going to have to go with who? I don't know who. I guess Senzel has to come in and play if if they tie it up. Senzel's got to come in and play infield because they're out of backup infielders at that point. Uh, or maybe Kyle Farmer was still available. I don't know. But um, and you lose if it's a extra inning game. And you need pitchers. You've lost. You've burned Lorenzen now, and you don't want to depend on him in a tight game. But if it gets into extra innings, you may have to. Right. And you know, <laughs> the worst one obviously oh. that everyone. Okay. Po- the worst one that everyone pointed to in the, uh, the last game of the Royals series was Pinch running for Joey Votto. And Joey Votto drew a walk, and they Pinch ran Travis Jankowski, who, you know, did nothing. Uh, other guys didn't get him in, but uh, he did the same thing that Votto would have done, which is not score. And so Joey Votto's out of the game. And in the ninth inning... The Reds come up with bases loaded. And who's batting in Joey Votto's spot? Bases loaded, one out, Christian Cologne. And that goes back to your point of, you know, um, you don't know when that key at bat's going to be, but you sure want your best hitters in the lineup, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it it's almost like he's managing a Little League team and everybody's got to play. Yeah. You know, have you gotten the game yet? Oh, no. Well, go in there. You know, get in there. He's probably got some parents mad at him. That's what it is. Over there, yeah. Jankowski's mom called him. <laughs> right, yeah. My boy's not getting to play. Do I need to call the league office? He's supposed to get two innings in the field and one at bat. That's the rules in Little League. Uh, I didn't mention, obviously, that Christian Colon grounded into a double play in that situation. The game was over. Um, and, which Joey Votto might have done as well, but, man... I will, I'd rather take my chance than like Joey Votto. I like odds better. Yeah. Oh, and, and when it happened, it was a close game. I mean, when they, when he removed Joey Votto from the game, it was close at the time. I think they were down by a run. And so you, David Bell had to think, you know, this game could remain tight, and I'm going to need my better hitters. Am I willing to give up Joey Votto for whoever? And it ended up being Christian Cologne. It just, he is just hyperactive. He does, he's the complete opposite of what? Uh, all of us agreed before the season that this, this team needed to be managed because of the short season. That they had to be, you had to have your your top hitters in the lineup m- way more often than the other guys. Well, that was one of the reasons that, that I think it was, I don't know if it was you and Chris or you and Jason talked about where there probably wasn't a place for, for Dietrich on this team because he wasn't going to get any at bats. As it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather have Dietrich or Christian Cologne? <laughs> yeah. you see what i'm saying yeah i mean the other thing the other thing with this with me right now is about switching out your better hitters is with the state of the way this bullpen is playing do you really want to quit scoring runs to me you know you keep your foot on the gas even if you know now now you know you could be sacrificing something in defense and we talked about how bad the defense has been 
So there, there, you can make some of that argument, but I'll tell you what, it, this team isn't scoring runs by the ton, but, but I would be taking my better hitters out of the lineup. <laughs> really? I think, you know, I think David Bell's theory is that we got this key spot here. We need to try to get a run right here, and it may or may not hurt us later, but here's the opportunity. I want to take advantage of it now. Uh, and and some of that's okay. You know, maybe that's an urgency to score right there. But when it hampers your ability for the next four innings to have your best team on the field, I just don't – the risk-reward is is not there. I mean – Cal- And doing it in the, and doing it in the, in the, in the ninth inning is a lot different than doing it in the sixth inning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, when when you put your team in a worse position, when you're doing the sixth inning, and then you put your team in a worse position in the last three innings because you've right. done that, you know you got to play a third of the game with Christian Cologne in the game. That's that's not that's not optimal conditions to win a major league baseball game, and there should be more urgency now than ever in a base a Reds recent season anyway, because they're down to the last forty two games. And again, maybe it's just that the uh, the playoff system has screwed things up, and so they're probably still going to sneak in, but. Um, well, and, and and we've seen a couple of games where it looked like a Sunday, a Dusty Baker Sunday lineup when guys were healthy. And I know one and, of those times the Reds scored, you know, eight runs or something. But yeah, but you, I mean, that's a, you know, you're not putting your best team on the field, right? It's, it, I mean, Kyle Farmer's got 29 plate appearances, Phil Irvin 26, Christian Cologne 24, Matt Davidson 21. Uh, Josh Van Meter, 21. As we said, he didn't get his first hit until his, I think, uh, 20th plate appearance of the season. And Davidson's got 21 and sat out for, what, four or five games? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you – know, Jankowski's got only 13 plate appearances, but he's played in 12 games, so he's come in and removed somebody from a game 12 times, basically. Right. Yeah. I, I like all these guys, and they're trying hard, and, you know, some of them seem like really nice guys. But, you know, Travis Jankowski's never going to be better than Nick Castellanos or Shogo Akiyama. You know, Christian Colon is not better than Joey Votto. I just, it, it's just astounding to me that David Bell can't kind of seem to wrap his brain around the fact that it, there needs to be more urgency here. And urgency doesn't mean let's th- throw out all the stops to try to, you know, get a run across here in the fifth inning. It's Let's keep our best players on the field for as long as we keep them on the field because that gives us the best opportunity to win the game. And there are no circumstances under which Christian Cologne is a better option than anyone on the uh, you know in the starting eight, basically. Am I, am I, over, am I overselling that? No, I I've been saying the same thing, and 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 it's it's difficult for me to admit that because I, I I really thought Bell was going to grow into this job. You know, I, I, you know, there were times last year where we saw some of this, probably more than we, you know, remember. But, you know, I, I figured, you know, it's his first managing job. He's gonna, he's gonna get better. He'll kind of grab, you know, grab a hold of it. But he seems like he's getting more hyperactive and not less. You're right. I think we overlooked a little bit last year, and we probably even had that discussion actually. Well, he's this is his first time. He is feeling his way around. What I worry about is. I've hesitated to say these words out loud, but I'm going to do it. Um, David Bell came from the Cardinals organization. And you know who he resembles as a manager more than anyone else? 
that I've seen. Former Cardinals manager Tony Larusa, who, who we all I knew that's where you, I figured that's where you oh. were going. Larusa was awful to watch. He was, you know, he's the he's the guy that he would change relievers every single hitter. I mean, he just completely overactive, and and really he really wanted people to remember he was there. He was part of the game. And I'm afraid that David Bell is just maybe he's, maybe he will grow into it. He's still you know just the second season, but uh, you know what though, and this is just me. This is you know, I don't have as much trouble with a manager doing that handling his pitching staff as I do on the offensive side. Well, you know, what, let me let me say something here actually because I think that's a very good point that uh, I had intended to make and I'd forgotten about. One of the biggest criticisms of David Bell is not letting his starters go late, you know, late into the game and the way he's managing his bullpen. But I think I think that's a little, not a fair criticism to me. That I don't think he's pulling his starters any quicker than anyone else in baseball. Matter of fact, the Red starters have uh, are in the you know upper half of uh, innings pitched in baseball. So I think that's a little unfair. But you you think in terms of how he manages his bullpen that. You don't think that's well, not necessarily as, not not necessarily David Bell, but you were talking about like Larusa switching guys with every hitter. That doesn't bother me, you know. On the you know, is, is if I if I'm on defense, you know, if I'm feeling like, you know, because you're not going to take out Iglesias if he's pitching well to bring in Brooks Raley. You're gonna, you know, you're if you now if a guy's struggling, you may bring in somebody that you don't think is as good, but he th- they think he might be better that day. I just think there's a different mindset when you're, you're when you're dealing with pitchers out of the bullpen than you than when you're pinch hitting guys and and substituting base runners and I, I just think the the margin of error on the offensive side is dramatically different than. When you're changing pitchers, you're dealing with you know who's getting it done at that very moment. Matchups, yeah, yeah, matchups. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the Tony Larusa stuff was just aesthetically. Oh, it just it slowed the game down and it was awful to watch changing pitchers. But I think you're right, and I think maybe maybe David Bell's taking the lesson. You should do that on the offensive side as well. So it sounds like you're saying. Well, and I think he does do it on the offensive side, and probably even more than he. Well, I mean, with the three hitter rule, you really can't do that on the the pitching side anymore. Um, but it's, it's just difficult. It's it, it, like I said, the, the, the similarities between this and a little league team where everybody has to play just seems to jump more and more to the forefront every game. Yeah. I mean, mark it down. It took till the middle of August of his second season, but I'm, I am, uh, you know, I'm done with David Bell. Yeah. I'm not saying the guy needs to be fired. I mean, plus the fact that he's going to be here, through next year, I think. And I don't think I don't think anybody's going to fire a manager after it, during any course of this season. I don't think any team will. No. Um, and I would be very surprised if the Reds didn't bring him back next year and he'd be given a full season. Well, I'm not saying that he deserves to be fired either. I, you know, I mean, the Reds don't have a very good track record when it comes to hiring managers. So, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to take my chances on who they might get next because they got a really awful track record. But uh, this uh, mid-August where I finally just said, I can't defend this guy anymore. You know, I saw lots of positive things, but I I can't defend him because he's just, he doesn't know what he's doing in the game. I I hate to say that because he knows more than I do, but I, I can't see that he knows what he's doing. 
he makes decisions that, that are really tough to, to figure out what his logic was behind him. And the problem that I, another problem that I have with it, and, and this is even made even worse because of all the COVID protocols, the media won't even press him as to, you know, why did you do this? What was your thinking? We just have to kind of go, okay, that's what he did. Yeah, I don't know. I just, he has to take his share of the blame Yep. for this, this season so far. The, the good thing is, as is, is you, you said, is if they finish anywhere around 500, they're probably going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And, and with this, and with the rotation that we have <clears throat> by the end of the season, you know, they're going to be going, you're hoping they're going to be going much deeper into ball games. And who knows? Yeah. Jason and I talked about it last week. I think that uh, I'm, I am optimistic. They just have to get in the playoff, just sneak in there. Just make that tournament because they have a, a starting rotation that's set up to be very successful in these short series. And so I'll take my chances on that. But let's let's imagine the flip side. What's it look like spring training 2021 if the Reds miss this 16-team playoff this year? After all the money that was spent and all the excitement, the anticipation, what happens if they miss it? What's the, what's the sentiment around this team and, and what's Bob Castellini think? See, you're just trying to depress me. <laughs> I hate to think about that stuff, but right now we got to kind of consider it because they don't look like a playoff team right now. Of course, what's a playoff team when 16 teams get in? But Right. I think that what, what happens under that circum- that scenario, I, you're absolutely 100% correct. They're not going to fire David Bell. But in, and, and I agree with you. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not advocating for that either. But he will be on the hot seat next year if this team misses the playoffs. And I could see them making a move midseason. Because Castellini's put too many dollars into this uh, thing, finally, after all these years, to just continue to do the same thing they've done. I keep saying that on Twitter. I said, I know they're better. I, I, there's no question this is a better team than we've seen the last few years. But my lying eyes keep seeing the same old Reds. They're making the same old mistakes. They're losing games that they always used to lose. They do not look like a playoff team right now. Last The game last night. They have a chance to tie the ball game late, runner on second and third, one out, and they have two guys to take breaking balls right down the middle of the plate with two strikes and for strikeouts. You know, where's protecting the plate? Where's fouling the ball off if you can't, you know? you got to take the bat, bat off your shoulder. It's just, it's oh, it's frustrating. I thought this was going to be the year they weren't going to be as frustrating to watch. Not so far. <sighs> So you're right. The Reds are nearing, uh, let's just preview what's coming up. The Reds are nearing the end of that, what we thought was going to be a pretty nice opening stretch against some not great teams. They're 8-10 and 10 as we record this. They've got four games coming up at home against uh, Pittsburgh. Then they go to Kansas City for two more games, and then that's when it starts. you got the Cardinals. you got the Brewers. you got the Cubs. you got the Cardinals again. And you're basically uh, with two exceptions near the end of the year when they play Chicago and the Chicago White Sox. And the Minnesota Twins, you're within the division pretty much the rest of the way. And the Reds have not done anything to distinguish themselves, which is, I would not have thought that was going to be the case. When we were talking about playoffs, and I don't know if you and Jason or, or, or you and Chris have talked about this because I haven't had a chance to listen in the last couple of weeks, but have you talked about this idea of, of making the playoffs is going to be determined by winning percentage and not actually stand, you know, not actually games behind? Uh, I mean, we, no, we haven't. You and I have talked about that. 
I mean, not on the podcast. There, there's going to there could be some teams that get screwed because you know you, you know daggone well the Cardinals are not going to play sixty games. Yeah, probably not. There's not enough time left to do it. You know, and, and and that's the other thing about this. And I think you and I talked about this. We texted about this or something. There doesn't seem to be any kind of set rule as to what gets games canceled. You know, how many guys got to be sick, or how many? You know, what's yeah. the protocol? I, I don't know if they have a protocol. It's kind of day to day. Yeah, I, and and you know, you're canceling games that, that may or may not be made up. And if you get, you know, if you get to the end of the season and the Reds have played sixty and the Cardinals have played forty-five, is that a you know? And and the winning percent, their winning percentage is three points above the Reds. Well, here's my here's my opinion, and this is what I what I told you as well, which is that um, we knew that's the reason they expanded the playoffs. Because there's going to be crazy stuff and let more teams so that a, a really good team doesn't miss the playoffs despite crazy things happening. And if the Reds are fighting for that eighth or ninth spot in the playoffs and they don't get it because they've played poorly enough over 60 games to only be eighth or ninth and they somehow miss out for some reason, cry me a river. I don't feel any sympathy for the Reds if they don't make the, the, make eighth place. You know, I think they only have themselves to blame. Try winning games. So, I, I yeah, I, you're right. Some people use that as a, a reason to get upset. And I think that's a, a more of the embrace the chaos of the 2020 season. That makes very little sense. But I don't have any sympathy for any team that misses out on eighth place because they yeah, didn't play well. What if, it's, what if it's a seeding question? What if it's a, you know, it just, it just, and I, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't have an answer. I just, it was supposed to be a 60-game season. Well, that, yeah, we knew that things were going to be crazy. And so that's just... And, and, I, and I'm still not convinced we're going to get to a World Series. Oh, no, I don't think anybody is convinced of that. I think that that's still very much up in the air. I think we've tried to approach on this podcast, let's discuss the season as if there's going to be a season, while always yeah. knowing that, you know, <laughs> that's there out there. Not. Yeah. Well, anyway, Bill, any other thoughts, uh, anything else you want to discuss here in this uh, crazy week? As long as they don't talk about David Bell, I don't want to have his name mentioned again on this podcast. So anything else you want to talk about? One more one more point on the Bell thing. <laughs> well, I literally just said. <laughs> I mean, I literally just said it, Bill. I pay attention to you. Oh, that's a good point. All right, go ahead. As a, as a Bengals fan, oh, gosh. for many years, worse. those of us that wanted him to fire Marvin Lewis said, well, with their history of decision-making in the front office, they could pick somebody worse. Basically, that's what you're saying about David Bell. I'm saying the Reds have always picked somebody worse every time. Almost. I mean, it would be tough to argue that Dusty Baker was not a good decision. I agree. Looking awfully good in retrospect. But before and after that, there was a long dry spell. You're not a Dave Miley guy? Jerry Naren? Probably a very nice guy that was very, very successful in the minor leagues. Well, I'm not going to mention the name of our current manager ever again. He's the manager who shall not be named. Done. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Bill, it's good talking to you again this week, buddy. Always good to talk to you, my friend. This is Red Lake Nation Radio, episode number 337. Thank you for joining us again. As I told you, you can go over to patreon.com slash redlegradio. You can... Uh, 
support the podcast. And on most weeks, you get a chance to have priority to have your viewer mail questions answered. Unable to do that today because of the sort of strange timing of having to record this. Redleg Radio at Redleg Radio on Twitter. He's at Bill Redleg and I'm uh, I'm at Dotson C. But don't bother. I'm not there. I'm there during Reds games. I do talk Reds during Reds games, and I'm not there ever, ever, ever after Reds games are over. Go to RedlegNation.com where you can follow your Cincinnati Reds with us as we have every single day since 2005. Bill, I'm going to stick a pin in this one unless you've got any other wise insights for us. I didn't have any wise insights before. That is a fact. For Bill Lack and Buddy Bell's son, who shall not be named, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.